Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Unbiased information. Honest and forthright. News without the misinformation. It doesn't matter what side you're from. What matters is what you say, the truthfulness behind it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, well, that was a little glitch, but that is what you're going to get here on weekends with Jason Olborn. You're going to get information fired at you from all sides, and you're going to be glad that you were here. We have got a bumper edition for you this Saturday coming out of the east coast of Australia. On the card today, one of my all-time favourites, Joachim Hagopian, will be up very, very shortly. What he doesn't know literally is not worth knowing, and I'm going to put him to the test a year's worth of catch-up for us today. He is a West Point graduate, a former Army officer, and I'll get into that in a moment. Coming up in the next hour, I've got Nate Crow. He's a therapist, and unlike any therapist you've ever seen or heard before, Nate's ability to be able to make sense out of the nonsensical world that we're in is going to be a plus for everyone involved. And coming up after Nate's hour, we're going to have Father Chris Yates. Chris is someone that I met on the campaign trail. We're actually handing out for different political parties and just hit it off in a way that, unlike many other people out there, you can just have a robust debate and work out where your common ground is. And from there, you get to expand onto the collective awareness that all of us are trying to understand in this big, long battle that we're in. And in the final hour of today's weekend's show, Tony Nikolic from AFL Solicitors, the general manager, Tony, will be in as well. We're going to talk about things to do with the COVID inquiry that's coming up in Australia and what exactly that means and what will and won't be covered. And as always, I put Tony to the test and ask him questions as to how it is that we can get a legal pathway out of the tyranny that we've been under for so many years. So that should give you a good idea of what we're up to. My suggestion is on this hot day is get yourself a glass of your favourite. You might even need a bottle. Sit back, relax, enjoy. You can watch us on YouTube or Rumble or directly via the website at tntradio.live. Or of course, if you've got the app and you're out in the car, thank you and welcome and for listening and telling your friends And if we only tell one thing this year at Christmas lunch, it might well be the very next interview, the first one. And you'll say, I was listening to Jason's show on TNT Radio at the weekend last week, and there's a fellow, he said his name is Joachim, and you need to listen to what he's got to say, because here is someone who is, as I said earlier, a West Point graduate, a former army officer and author of Don't Let the Bastards Get You Down. After the military, he earned a master's degree in clinical psychology and worked as a licensed therapist in the mental health field with, wait for it, abused youth and adolescents for more than a quarter of a century. And in Los Angeles, he found himself battling the largest county child protective services in the nation within America's thoroughly broken and corrupt child welfare system. And today, he is a prolific independent journalist and the work he does is truly extraordinary. I'll bring you more details of that shortly, but I think it's time that we kick off today's bonanza with our first guest, Joachim Hagopian. Joachim, nice to see you for the very first time in the new video format. Hey, it's good to be here, Jason. 
Oh, look, it's uh, it's wonderful, and I'm so thrilled that we're able to uh, catch up prior to Christmas because there is just so much that we've seen this year. And in many ways, whilst we're all waiting for a big turn of events where the collective world population realises that they've been hoodwinked for so long, not just in the COVID years, but for many years before that, that we're able to sort of go back and backtrack, retrace our footsteps over the past 12 months and perhaps look at uh, some of the developments Particularly, I think a good place to start would be um, looking at what happened as the um, the Ukraine-Russian war kind of ran out of energy and favour uh, and, and was kind of replaced in the mainstream media reporting by the Israel-Hamas war. How did you read it in terms of Ukraine-Russia this year? Well, I think Ukraine is on its last legs. Zelensky is not going to be the leader of Ukraine for very much longer. Um the military of Russia, I mean, we knew from the very beginning their military is so far superior probably to any other country in the entire world. China is up there, and unfortunately, America is way down from, I think, Russia and China's military. And then we're supposed to be up against them in every war front, you know, I mean, Ukraine and then the Middle East uh, with Iran and into Taiwan with China, on and on. I mean, they purposely have weakened both the United States as well as the United States military armed forces. So anyway, yeah, that was the surrogate war where the proxies of the Ukrainians but they never had a chance. And uh, Putin, from the very start, was very careful about eliminating civilian population. He is very cognizant of poor publicity, bad publicity coming from a lot of civilian deaths. Unlike Israel, of course, what's going on with the bloodbath in Gaza. So it's a completely different run war between Putin and Netanyahu right now. Basically, they've run out of soldiers in Ukraine. They're going mm. after 50, 60, 70-year-olds now. And yes. women, too, are now on the battlefield. So, I mean, they, it's a war of attrition. And unfortunately, Ukraine is completely out. Uh, they're out of ammunition. The, all the Western countries now, including America, are not sending the, the military weapons uh, or the money now. So they just run out of steam. And I think it's just a matter of another, I think the winter offensive with Russia will pretty much uh, finish off the Ukraine resistance. And unfortunately, I think Putin's going to have to take over and actually install another government, obviously, in Kiev. I don't think he's going to take the whole country. I think he only wants the ones that are already done a referendum to be voted into a uh, federation of russia he's going to keep them and he's going to basically do what he always insisted we want a neutral country on our border and let it be called ukraine he doesn't want to change it he's not going to let i don't think poland poland has its eyes on it you know that was part of ukraine now um, Poland's been eyeing it for a while, so we'll see what happens. But this war is over, and yeah. obviously, it's been replaced by the Middle East war. 
Yeah, look, and we want to get there in a second, but there's a couple of things I just wanted to bring up in terms of uh, of what we're noticing out of Ukraine. And as you said, the conscription now of, of people that should be at retirement ages is, is something extraordinary to think that this is what he's what he's doing. There's been reports, of course, that Zelensky uh, is becoming more and more um, unhinged want of a better term there in, in terms of his belief that he still consistently has to fight this fight that he can't win when you're conscripting people. There was there was talk a few months back that they were even conscripting people that were HIV positive to join as long as they were healthy. I mean, imagine that, that we're, we're not going to worry about something that's considered to be a chronic disease, used to be a death sentence, but we're going to put you in the military as well. But on the other side of that um, is, is the idea that people are bribing $300 to escape over borders into neighbouring countries to get away from conscription. And so the price of life in uh, in Ukraine, $300 is the bribe that you need to, uh, to be able to pay to escape, is extraordinary from the idea that it's such a small amount of money, a pittance, but at the same time, it's enough to save your life. To think that someone might, uh, might challenge that and go, well, I can't bribe, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to go on. But at what point is survival the ultimate instinct here in a war that you know you cannot win, Joachim. Well, unfortunately, there is a genocide going on in Ukraine with the population there, particularly of males. Um, I, you know, I, I think back at the, I think it was the end of March, uh, Boris Johnson made a trip to Kiev and he sabotaged already signed documents between the peace talks of both Russia and Ukraine. And it was all nixed. It was all thrown out. And over a half a million Ukrainian people are dead as a result. Because Boris Johnson, following his city of London, U.S., you know, all the rest of the hierarchs that are pulling all the strings, he followed their orders. He sabotaged the peace deal. And now we have a country that's just been totally devastated. Mm. Uh, it's just tragic. How how do they survive that going forward? If you lose a half a million souls in a war, and a lot of that, of course, is fit, young, healthy men, and of course that expands for men in their forties, fifties, sixties, even. How is it even possible to regroup at that stage with under the crippling defeat at the same time realising that all these so-called NATO countries that were supporting you with endless money and you've got nothing to show for it? The PTSD, for example, at that point moving forward for Ukrainian people, can they even be mentally fit to get on with their lives or are they going to be scarred for generations? War does that. It scars people for life. Um and, you know, I mean, it, you know, the situation in Gaza, I mean, this is horrible. Just thousands upon thousands of people. And I'm afraid there's going to be more wars. Uh, it's becoming more volatile worldwide. Uh, conflicts are, are arising in a number of places right now beyond just the ones that we're going to focus on. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, they're going to need so much help uh, just to restore a sovereign nation in Ukraine without the total control of the United States and the West and the city of London controllers. Uh, it's going to be a major challenge. And uh, as I'm sure you're aware, uh, there's BlackRock. They actually, you know, think the CEO actually made trips to Kiev and, and started divvying up what was going to be done after this war. Uh, 
I don't think because Putin's not going to allow that, that will not happen. Uh, but Zelensky was uh, actually saying for quite a few years, yes, I want to make Ukraine the second Israel, you know? So, and there's been plans now in the making for a number of years now where Israeli citizens are going to go back to their ancestral homeland, Khazar, because that's what Ukraine is. It was the center of the Khazar kingdom back in the 8th and ninth centuries. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be a collective uh, effort on the part of, of hopefully cooperating with a lot of nations to rebuild it. This is absolutely fascinating, isn't it? Because uh, it, it's on so many fronts. And how does Ukraine, for example, reinvent uh, whichever way from a survival perspective? And you bring up the Khazars there and uh, and the idea that this this hidden Khazarian mafia that's pulling the strings around the world. Um, there's so many things to unpack, of course, because you've got that um, that notion that part of Putin's reasoning for invasion was to get to those Ukrainian biolabs. That, uh, that's one part of it. You've got the um, the alleged human trafficking rings as well, the uh, organ uh, trafficking. Uh, so you've got all of these hidden, um, very lucrative businesses, uh, if for want of a better term, again, these these industries uh, that operate and, um, and, and whether or not you can expose this as part of the war. But it seems that even when the Russians took this information to the UN Security Council and said, we found evidence of um, biolabs in Ukraine that may or may not be producing, uh, you know, viruses such as COVID, they were laughed out of town. How is that possible? Or is this just another example of the layer upon layer of globalist uh, rule that is just blanket, not interested in anything that goes against the unhidden but seemingly written narrative to take over the world for their own ends? Yeah, obviously, there are globalist organizations like the United Nations, uh, although, you know, the Secretary General of the UN, Guterres, is trying his best for the humanitarian cause of the uh, Palestinians. But in the case of the biolabs um, funded by the Department of Defense of the United States uh, and General Kirillov, who's in charge of the Russian biology chemical department of the military, just came out saying, Oh, yeah, this whole uh, COVID thing, uh, they were uh, because they've taken over all those bio labs in Ukraine and, and got all the documentation and all of that. And so he just recently in the last couple of days has come out and said, well, yeah, United States uh, government, along with big pharma, moved into all these bioweapon labs and they were planning this COVID thing all the way back from 2009. Of course, the coronavirus has been around a, a long time. Uh, and they've been working on on basically, and, and he alluded to, and, and this is not new, new news either. Uh, they, are, they were trying to figure out ways in which they could actually go after the Russian Slavic population. Uh, so that I mean they they have ways in which to do the genomes with these diseases and bioweapons and pathogens where they're able to attack certain ethnic groups. And that's what they were actually in the works doing at the time that you know Russia intervened. I mean, it's so devious and evil what the agenda of the quote West 
It's really the city of London Rothschild gang, World Economic Forum, that are pulling all the strings. But the evil is just, and of course, you alluded to already, the, the human sex trafficking with children and the organ trafficking. This was the mecca of Europe. You know, it's it's like the crossroads of the East and West, and it was a mecca for all organized crime activity. And it was the basically the big banks, the Rothschild big banks, or were the were the uh, money launderers for all this uh, illegal operation. And uh, it's been busted. Uh, they're still selling a lot of weapons that Europe and the West and America has sent over to terrorist groups and all of this, but. Obviously, since Russia has intervened into Ukraine, it's cut down the the sex trafficking and the organ trafficking uh, tremendously. Drug trafficking, it's still, but it was the mecca. It was the capital of Europe because it was the east-west crossroads for all this illegal activity generated by the Rothschild et al. Uh, power elites. It's truly uh, an astonishing story, and I think that when we cover this, uh, uh, well, a, a, a large sample of our audience is aware of what we're talking about, but of course there are more and more people coming aboard, seeing TNT, listening to TNT radio for the first time and realising that they're hearing for the first time, stories that they've never, ever, ever heard of in the mainstream media and with good reason. And that's why you're watching and listening to TNT Radio right now. What we're going to do is we're going to take a, a short break. And when we come back, we're going to continue in this deep dive or of a review of 2023 with our first guest on today's show, Joachim Hagopian. You are watching and listening Weekends with Jason Alborn here on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Hervoy Morich. Approximately 650,000 Ukrainian men aged 18 to 60 have left Ukraine for Europe since the start of the war. It's a tough spot. If your country is being invaded, uh, that's one thing, and you're a, a male and a citizen. Um, but you know, if the war, if it's a globalist war, I, I wouldn't want to participate <laughs> in these banker globalist wars and. Most of them just uh, are. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to Weekends with Jason Olborn, and you better believe we're talking about it here and this weekend more than any other time or any other place. In fact, you will get a deep dive into all of the subjects that you want to be informed about. And as we move along in this uh, interview, Joachim, I want to talk to you now about um, as we move into the Israeli Hamas uh, Palestine war that we're seeing at the moment. I just want to bring up the name Jeffrey Epstein. It's a name, it's a story that just refuses to go away. And this week, once again, I was 
covering it on my uh, on my daily news show Compass, and I hadn't realised that uh, Epstein, for example, um, was involved in the Tower Financial, uh, that was now uh, ruled as a Ponzi scheme, and was also involved with the Israeli Defence Force in uh, various other nefarious activities. How much of an influence do you think Epstein has been in not just in financial circles, but also in military and uh, and, and intelligence slash spy circles? In very deep. He, Jeffrey and Ghislaine Maxwell were brought together by the media mogul and super spy Robert Maxwell, Ghislaine's father, back in the mid-1980s. And uh, and he, they ran an entrapment operation, obviously, for Israel as well as the United States uh, for, I don't know, probably 15 to close to 20 years before he actually stopped because he got busted the first time. Uh, so they've been in deep uh, running entrapment operations for basically sexual blackmail purposes. There's still videos of all the high-level power people that are engaging in sex with children. Um, they're out there. We want them to go public as far as uh, you know, bringing in the culprits that are that are perverts that need to be uh, punished for their crimes. Uh, but that hasn't happened yet. But it will. It will. But anyway, yeah. Uh, the, the Mossad and the military intelligence of Israel were very instrumental in working with the Ghislaine and Epstein uh, Maxwell operation. Um, so, I mean, his best buddy was a, a prime minister of Israel. Uh, it would be. So, I mean, he, he did business with the guy, mm. um, Ehud Barak. Mm. And and Barack was involved in yes having sex with younger girls you know underage uh, as Clinton and all the rest of them I mean you know the list is a mile long uh, they all need to be tried and and you know convicted if guilty so we're waiting on that it'll happen. Um, no, no. Now, just ask you on that. In your work as a uh, as a psychologist and specifically dealing with youth, uh, no one would be um, better positioned to have had firsthand evidence of these types of events going on. Now, what I was trying to get down to in all of this is the psychology, perhaps, of the perpetrator. Do you think that these men and perhaps women that are abusing these children are doing it because they've been blackmailed or drugged, which may be an excuse if this ever gets to come to light? Or is it something that they do a, 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 as one of these secret perversions within a hidden society where this is somehow accepted as some sort of taboo that no one else is allowed to be aware of? How do you read that? Or, or, do, or do you have any understanding of how that might operate? Yeah, it's all of the above. I mean, a certain percentage of them have a proclivity to have sex with younger, you know, kids. Uh, and then others get involved where they go to parties, they give them drugs in their drinks, and then they pass out, and then they do the filming of a child in the bed with them. There's that situation that's going on for, obviously, sexual blackmail purposes. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's an operation of control. And the masters at this is the CIA and Mossad uh, of Israel. And, and basically, they control all the puppet leaders. I mean, this is like uh, 
everybody is bribed or and or sexually blackmailed. I mean, there are very, very small percentage of actual elected leaders, be it prime ministers and presidents or Congress or parliament members, that actually are for the people. No, they're all bought off. They're all controlled. All of them, I'd say 96% probably around the world and all the G20 nations are all controlled. They're bought and sold. They are not working for the people, as we can see all the events going on in this world for the last few years. They're not working for us. They're trying to kill us. Mm. And that's a whole other topic, too, the genocide of the human race. Yeah, indeed. And I think, you know, the conversation that uh, we've always had are always a little bit organic. And, and whilst we've got plans, I like to throw the plans out the window and keep going, because I think I'd like to, to sort of jump in at that point. Uh, and uh, I call it the taboo 12-letter word, and that word being depopulation. And it seems that all activities are pointing to this at the moment, the obsession with climate change, the idea that, um, as John Kerry says, that agriculture is causing it and we need to stop agriculture in order to save the people. So in other words, we're going to, uh, we're going to let um, 8 billion people fight for food now um, because uh, of agriculture. And whilst he thinks it might uh, save a few people if we, um, if we worry about climate change, and we stop things like that. You've obviously got the uh, the vaccine agenda, uh, the, the very fact that despite the whistleblowers, despite the information that's coming out, uh, there is just constant denial around the world in Western governments to even bother to investigate, uh, particularly as we saw the whistleblower evidence that came out in New Zealand. We've got the uh, almost anemic COVID inquiry here in Australia that doesn't even want to look at many things, including how the states handled the tyrannical state premiers. Uh, there are obviously other areas as well in terms of the this uh, agenda. But if you are going to ignore the damage that the so-called cure did, and you're going to make it a taboo to criticise vaccines on big tech and social media, you can't say anything that the World Health Organization says, you can't say anything that challenges the WHO. We are facing a situation with these excess deaths, the rise in cancers, the myocarditis, the uh, vaccine schedule, for example, the hidden hand, the, the, the sleight of hand, I should say, in the deception that's going on on. Depopulation, is it a word that we can bring up legitimately, even if there is people like Dennis Meadows who've come out and said, we think the Earth's population should be 1 billion. And I hope he says, to quote him, that it is done fairly and peacefully. Imagine being able to say that. Are we facing this depopulation agenda? Is it legit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to Malthus back in the 1700s that the world cannot sustain overpopulation. And that's been their myth lie for centuries now to justify the whole notion that the world cannot be sustained with a growing population, which is all just like the whole climate change and the green agenda. All of this are, are basically Trojan horses to kill us. I mean, it all sounds nice. Oh, yeah, the environment and all this kind of... No, these are ways in which they will take away our food supply, basically jab us to death as so many millions around the world have been dead or are permanently injured and dying. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this has been long in the works. I mean, they have a plan way years in advance, and they're executing it right now. Uh, just a little five-second plug. James Fetzer does a conference on false flags 
and and conspiracies every year. And I, I for the last two years, including tomorrow's one, I'm doing this topic of genocide against the human race, depopulation uh, agenda. And uh, yeah, I mean, it is the key to understanding everything because, I mean, yeah, the pedophilia, the world wars, all of it is brought together. The collapse of the economy, all of it works together because they want to eliminate down to half a billion to up to maybe one billion. And there's supposedly near eight billion of us right now. Mm. So we're talking about 15 out of 16 human beings breathing right now. They want within the next two or three years dead. And we have to understand this if we want to survive as a human race. Yes. So that's why I write what I write, because I'm trying to wake up the world. Exactly. And it is it is painful. It is difficult. It is it is the hardest work that you can do, because no matter how hard you try, you have to try harder to permeate again this 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 collective conscious that just doesn't want to see what people like you and I are seeing. Now, I, I want to just do a quick pivot here. Elon Musk talks about with his um, SpaceX, he talks about the idea of off Earth exploration. He doesn't buy into this um, depopulation agenda. In fact, he says the other way we should be exploring other worlds there are others perhaps from a, a green perspective that might say well if we can't control how we run our lives here on earth we have no business in being able to explore other planets i don't buy that at all especially if what we are supposedly knowing is that there's no life on other planets something has to go but do you cull yourselves and not explore or do you explore and find that there may be other avenues for humans to get to? It's a big deal. And there are many debates, of course, people saying that you can't really travel to the moon because of the Van Allen radiation belt. So all of that is a, another another sort of rabbit hole where people believe it or not. Why haven't the US gone back now that we're seeing China and India and uh, other countries making plans to go back? And so is there a reason why example? But is that a reasonable argument for Elon Musk to come out to at least perhaps bring the, con the the idea, the concept of depopulation into the mainstream by saying we shouldn't be thinking about ways to make less people, but be looking at exploration of other worlds? Yeah, I mean, that's another whole hidden agenda that the elites have had. They've done back in engineering on very advanced civilization that have traveled to the Earth. The Earth has been a way station for many millions of years. We are certainly not alone. And I think the majority of the world population now believes that we can, we're we not alone. We have to be totally egotistical to think that we're the only, quote, intelligent. Although we're way down on the list of real intelligence. And I'm talking about spiritual wisdom and, and, and awareness and love and all of the rest that we're lacking so grossly right now because we've been hijacked for many centuries by an elite group of Satanists, and that's the reality. Uh, and they work with other world civilizations. They have the advanced technologies. They've done the back engineering. So, yeah, I mean, we, we probably already have the technology to travel beyond our own galaxy, but it's all been hidden. Uh, so all of this is coming out. The Disclosure Project has been going on now for quite a few years. And over the last year, you notice there's a lot more whistleblowers coming forth talking about what they've observed while working with the governments on this whole issue of extraterrestrials. And, you know, I mean, the, the evidence is overwhelming. So, mm. and it's also, there are civilizations that have actually come to the earth because their planet was too 
you know, poisoned. It was uh, the atmosphere was gone, and they needed to, you know to come over here and start migrating and and actually you know using DNA and the rest to uh, interact with the human beings genetically. You know, I mean. The whole gamut's gone, you know, it's part of our history, the hidden history that we've never been told because there's an elite that controls and lies about everything. No, it, it, exactly. It's uh, it's a difficult one because to be able to uh, turn it into an academic subject, the first part of it is to be accepted within formal academia. Now, you are watching and listening to Weekends with Jason Olborn, and this interview that we're conducting right now is Joachim Hagopian. He's a former military US officer. He's a psychologist and also a journalist. Joachim, the question I've got for you is, do you believe that there is on Earth a group of people who actually believe that they own and control planet Earth against the rest of the species? Unfortunately, there is. Uh, and I say that all the time, that there are bloodline rulers on this Earth. They control the money, which controls everything else. And uh, so, yeah, and they do believe that they are superior they look down upon the human race. Uh, they want to get rid of us. They got robotics and artificial intelligence going on right now to replace us. I mean, the first, the, the mass migration that's all done by the globalists, you know, all the crises going on with the overrunning of Europe and, and the overrunning of North America, especially the open southern border, all of this, it's the immediate uh, effects is to overwhelmed the the political and economic system of these you know wealthy continents i mean all the wealthiest continents are, are the, the the objects of of basically this overpopulation of foreign invaders through they they start the wars and then they bring the people over they actually finance the operation of people coming in overloading the system they're giving them health insurance they're giving they don't make them take the jab they haven't made all those people coming in on the southern border to take the jab even. So they want them basically around. They give all the military soldiers the jab and, and uh, cancer rates. We don't even have enough pilots to pilot all our planes now in the United States. That's how bad it is. The, the, basically, they gave the, the West, which is the most advanced technologically, economically. They have the largest middle classes. They also happen to be dominantly Christian and Caucasian, and they, the controllers of this earth, these evil Satanist types that do their secret society and blood sacrifice and all that, they decided we got to get rid of the West. We want to bring everybody down into an equal level of third world status. We're all struggling to survive because that is the agenda, genocide. So, yeah, I mean, they're throwing every weapon of mass human destruction at us all at once. We've never experienced anything like what we're experiencing now and will in the next few weeks and months. It is absolutely incredible that there is an agenda of people who masquerade as our leaders, who somehow back down at a subservient to a hidden elite. And we've seen it by the behaviour of world leaders rocking up at an unelected private organization like the World Economic Forum and somehow just go along with Klaus Schwab's plans. 
played a clip just recently of Schwab in, in the company of Joe Biden in 2016, simply saying that we have a problem and the problem is the middle class with Biden just smirking in the background. It's truly extraordinary that we are the enemies of a people that want to get rid of us for their own cunning and evil plans to run and control planet Earth. On that note, we're going to take a break and be back with more here on Weekends with Jason Olborn on TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Stop letting leftists set the agenda. Stop letting them turn nothing burgers into the most pressing issues of the day. Stop letting them use words like inclusion, equity, fairness, and diversity as cudgels to beat you into submission. Stop bowing, stop scraping, stop bending the knee, and stop giving them what they desire, an abject apology, assuring them that they'll get their way and everything will be fine. Because it won't be fine. That won't be the last complaint. Every time you submit to them, you encourage them. You give them more fuel for their next attack, and it will go on for decades. The Onondaga Nation complained to Syracuse University about the Saltine Warrior mascot in 1978. And here we are, 45 years later, the Onondaga Nation is complaining to Liverpool High School about using Warriors as their athletic mascot. For 45 years it was fine, but now all of a sudden in 2023 it's not. Stop giving in to this culture of destruction. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. At first, like so many other women out there, I ignored my symptoms. A slight pressure on my chest, shortness of breath. I thought, I don't have time to be sick. I had a, a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries, stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. I'm so grateful to the American Heart Association. Their research helped save my life. I can enjoy life with my children, my grandchildren, and my friends. Please, listen to your heart. The only reason I'm here today is because I did. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. Today's News Talk Radio. Come on, let the man talk. We never censor our hosts. Good. Now, talk. Uncensored News. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Welcome back. And I just want to rip off the Band-Aid just as you saw there. This is live. It's uncensored. And we're going to ask some big questions now. Now, in this final segment with Joachim, what I want to do now is I just want to go back to the Israel-Hamas war. Joachim, I can recall the National Security Minister of Israel, that's Itamar Ben-Gavir, walking in to the Al-Aska Mosque area, a uh, forbidden area for Jewish people to even enter. Uh, and the last time he did that was around Sukkot, or it may have been that there were some ultra-nationalists, as they're labelled, Jewish people walking into the area around about October the 4th, which was Sukkot of this year. And uh, they were alleged to have been spitting on the locals in that area. And three days later was the October 7 attacks. Themselves, um, strangely, they were able to uh, get into Israel. There was talk of things being turned off. There was talk of intelligence coming from 
Egypt saying that Israel was aware of all of this. But the point being, to go back to Ben Gavir, there's the idea that there is a push now within Israel to rebuild the third temple on the grounds of the Dome of the Rock and the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is actually in East Jerusalem connected to the old city. Is this war, therefore, part of biblical prophecy perhaps being forced or out of control? Yeah, I, I'm inclined to think that it is probably that enters in as a factor. Um, I mean, there's so many factors that that have basically precipitated with this war. Um, I mean, the Hamas beginning was 1987, and very soon after that, uh, we had Netanyahu becoming emerging as as an Israeli leader, uh, but even before he became president and prime minister. Um, and basically, the Hamas is there to be controlled opposition, you know, so that we have the Palestinian Authority in charge of the West Bank, and then we put Hamas in charge of Gaza Strip, and that way, divide and rule. This is the principle in which the controllers always maintain this conflict and war never ending. Uh, and so, yeah, it was all part of that. And Israel's been funding through, uh, uh, well, I can't remember the Gulf state. It starts with a Q. Uh, you can probably Qatar. think of it. Yes. Katas, yeah. Um, yeah, they've been funneling money into Hamas, you know, mm. for 30 years now. This whole thing was a planned operation, false flag, just like 911 was. And Israel had a big part in that one, too. Uh, so, yeah, it was the new Pearl Harbor and all this. This is no different, you know? This was an excuse. I mean, Netanyahu was on the way out. He, he's being prosecuted still for mm -hmm. his corruption crimes, in, in addition to a whole bunch of else. Uh, and so he saw this as, as a means to an end where he could retain his power, get the backing of the world because of the poor, you know, Israelis. And, you know, yeah, it is very tragic that uh, something around 1,200 Israeli citizens died on October 7th. That's horrible. And, and you know, it, it, I just wrote, wrote an article now. If you talk about basically the genocide going on with the Palestinians, um, you know, they always come back with, well, Israel has the right to defend itself, meaning that they can do genocide and it's okay. You're not mm. supposed to talk about it because that's being anti-Semitic, anti they say, you know. And I just wrote an article saying basically they're equating, they're conflating anti-Semitism with hate speech now. And, and it's on the American campuses. There's a whole thing in the Congress just recently about this. But anyway, that's a little bit off topic for right now. Related, though, very much. Um, so, yeah, this whole thing was planned from the start. But the problem is, is that Hezbollah and Iran proxies are not standing still just watching passively like the rest of the world. I mean, the UN does these agendas and does these resolutions, but it goes nowhere. If anything, it's just a little bit of political power saying, stop it, ceasefire but doesn't change Netanyahu, doesn't change the idea from massacring more Palestinians. So it goes on and on. Now it's like, what, almost, you know, coming up on three months in a couple of weeks. So, mm. yeah, I mean, this is horrible. 
Hezbollah is now saying, hey, we're at war now with Israel. So it already has expanded. We knew this was going to happen because the string controllers of the Rothschild et al., uh, they want the world war. I mean, Albert Pike, a Confederate general from the Civil War in 1871, predicted that there would be, he predicted all three world wars, and the first two were very accurate in their descriptions. And he also predicted World War III between the, the world of Islam and the world of Judaism, mm. uh, with a little help from the Christians. And uh, so, yeah, we have the West uh, versus the East. Here it is lined up. We got Iran, basically, and its proxies fighting now with Israel and its proxies, America and the West. And then we got the Taiwan in the wings waiting with China, of course. And we still got the Ukraine that's being, uh, you know, finished up uh, against Russia. But yeah, I mean, he said, uh, uh, this is Albert Pike saying 152 years ago that they would do you this World War III. So it's looking like Armageddon in the Middle East. Here we are. And, and they're driving us to the cliff. You know, humanity is going over the cliff, it looks like, unless something radically changes. Uh, Hezbollah is not uh, backing, uh, backing down. They are a lot stronger militarily than Hamas. And, uh, and and so, yeah, we're headed for all kinds of conflict, growing into a larger war, perhaps even, yes, World War III, with all the nuclear powers. It could well happen. Now, the other side of it, of course, is the uh, invisible enemy. The first one, of course, was COVID, which did more damage than uh, than you could ever possibly plan or imagine invisibly. The idea that you can close businesses around the world, force um, uh, people to, to stay home, to be locked out, to stay away from their own loved ones, to then penalise people for not wanting to take an experimental medicine, et cetera, et cetera. Then, of course, the moment that uh, COVID was no longer on the front page, it was almost instantaneously replaced by climate change, yet another hidden uh, enemy, as we've seen. Only today it was Craig Kelly um, sharing a post on X where he explained at the Sydney Observatory, where they, uh, they, they measure the temperatures every day, that they'd actually move the thermometers to an area where it was known to be warmer. Uh, and that, of course, plays down into that climate change um, agenda that they can argue that temperatures are high now on average and they have been in the past, but they've manipulated or cheated uh, in order to get there. So it's just another one of these constant manipulations, which of course goes to the idea that there is authority trying to push a certain agenda. If we look forward, therefore, and we've been warned again by good old Klaus Schwab, the uh, the uh, the character playing the uh, the enemy in this entire story, who tells us that a cyber attack is coming and also financial collapse, but um, kind of putting it together now that uh, financial collapse and a cyber attack can happen at the same time. What are you reading in, in your research at the moment that is pointing to how this may play out if and when in 2024? Yeah. Uh, every time they come out and say, well, watch out for this, you know, that's the heads up. And that might be predictive programming too, uh, where the uh, Satanists basically let let it be known what their next agenda is that's going to be horrifying for the rest of the humanity. And uh, so, yeah, uh, we expect that there will be some kind of major event. It could even be a, a knockout of the electrical grid uh, or the banking infrastructure at any time could go 
Um, and there's a lot of people now speculating that we're, we're on the edge of this happening. Uh, so that what they've done, they seem to have masterfully planned, and they do these things years and decades, and maybe even centuries, as Albert Pike's prediction was, in advance. So they, they've worked on all these different angles where there's all these crises all peaking at the same time, all becoming the most intense and dramatic at the same time. And so, yeah, we're going to see the, the, the U.S. dollar that's been dying for decades, actually. Uh, it's going to be gone. It will no longer be the international reserve currency. Many nations, in fact, I would venture to say most nations, particularly those that are in, in the uh, multipolar world now, uh, with the BRICS alliance, uh, they're not even using the U.S. dollar anymore. It's only the U.S. and a few of the vassals of Europe that are even bothering to use the U.S. dollar anymore. All the rest of the world is not now off it. Well, there's going to come a day when people will wake up and all their life savings in a bank are going to be worth nothing. And that's going to be very soon. Could happen, you know, in the next few days, weeks, or into next year. It will happen. We will not get out of 2024 without that happening. Uh, I, I mean, I can guarantee there's going to be a big meltdown globally on the economic and financial system, uh, along with the electrical grid and all the rest of, of it. Yeah, it, it's coming. So this is the the thing, isn't it? Like we, we saw back in, uh, in in 2020 in the lead up to that election that obviously COVID was the excuse to introduce the mail-in ballot system that is still being challenged to this day. And of course, the former president, Donald Trump, is, uh, is, is his legal team is working very well to uh, push back. Uh, in in the Georgia election case there, so it's interesting how the strategy is going there. But there doesn't seem to be a lot of confidence within the um, the mainstream establishment media and even the politicians to think that Trump won't be the candidate come November of 2024. And it does seem like that they are going to load up whatever they can and land it on his lap. The idea that Joe Biden, with the extension of the uh, the debt ceiling to an unlimited amount that would run out in January of 2025 for mine, says that he will spend, 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 and then hopefully turn the taps off. And maybe that will be part of the uh, economic collapse at that point, give or take, that if Trump were to be re-elected to office, uh, that, that there would be some economic collapse landing on his feet at that time. For my own, I look at it and think that if that were to be the case, and uh, expecting Trump to sort of work out how he's going to do a bank bailout, I, I can see him putting his hands up and going, there won't be any bailouts on my watch. This is a very, very different thing. But uh, he was someone that already had a gold standard ready to go. And we're noticing around the world, many, many uh, central banks now buying up on gold. You've even got the Swiss who were buying Russian gold through a third party to get around the sanctions. That tells me that they know and are planning for a, um, a, a recovery period or, or a new system after this said collapse that we're all talking about. Yeah. And that new system, you know, they're going to come on like they're the saviors of everything now. And it's going to be all, all basically, the, the, we all know it. It's the central um, digital control system, social credit scores, the Chinese model, basically, that the uh, Klaus Schwab is, oh, yeah, that's the perfect model to use. China is the model. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they're going to try and introduce all that digital stuff for absolute control where you cannot, and they'll outlaw cash. 
you will not be able to do anything unless we fight them, of course. I mean, it's coming down to a literal fight for our survival and financial survival, obviously. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what unfolds. Uh, but we cannot accept that central bank digital currency of absolute control with the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization, the medical dictatorship, their digital ID that will try and inject and kill down to a small percentage. So, yeah, it's all in the works and it's all going to be, you know, climaxing at the same time in the next year. Indeed, and uh, it seems that this has to come to a head at some point. I mean, this battle has been going on for a very, very long time now, uh, the establishment versus the anti-establishment candidates. The first one was, of course, Bernie Sanders that came out before Trump, and then, of course, it was Trump who did that, and now we've seen uh, in the post-Trump era that other candidates such as, you know, Robert Kennedy Jr., Ron DeSantis, also coming out and having a go and deliberately uh, firing off against this establishment uh, mentality. So it feels like that they're at least is uh, emerging alternative leadership or leaders. But I find that in the um, in, in the anti-establishment movement that Trump quite isn't at the moment the, uh, the leader of it that he once was in the past. He's got his own battles ahead of him. I feel for mine that there needs to be some form of leadership that's coming out. We're seeing it a little bit in this independent media that's emerging. The idea that Tucker Carlson came off Fox and set up his network was interesting. Uh, he then did that interview with Alex Jones. Alex Jones gets back onto X. Elon Musk facilitates that. Now, many people can criticise these characters as being part of, you know, controlled opposition or trust fund kids or whatever other nonsense. But it seems that what there is is that there's a uh, there's a, an official narrative and then there's a counter narrative. But when you've got people like Tucker Carlson able to get 100 million views on a particular interview, you therefore have a rearguard action and you have a collective group of people that are absolutely no longer listening to mainstream media, which means they're not listening to government anymore. Does that give you confidence that at least that there is still an information war out there at the moment, that there is an underground resistance, that there is enough people that will put their hands up if it is a situation that the CBDC is the line in the sand where more and more people go, hang on a second, I don't want the government to know where I'm spending all my money. Is that how you see that? Are you confident at least a year on from last time to say that we're in a better position than we were at least as a, as, as a, as a resistance perhaps than we were a year ago? Yeah. I mean, the establishment with the COVID overplayed their hand. And ever since, there's been more and more people waking up every single day of the authoritarianism and the agenda to, to do a, a Marxist takeover uh, of totalitarian, technocratic, one world government. That is their aim and their wet dream for a long, long time now. And uh, so, yeah, there is a backlash. And as times get harder, there's going to be a fiercer backlash against what's going on. So I am encouraged by all that. I, I And I, I'm also of the belief that, yes, we have these so-called leaders, and I believe they are controlled opposition, but to some extent, there might be emerging from them some leadership that might be taking us in the right direction. Certainly, you know, uh, they they put Biden in our face because he's so incompetent and senile and, and it makes America look like a total joke, which now America is seen as as a, a as basically a has been. It's not a, mm. a world power anymore. It's it's losing everything. Uh, yeah. So yeah, 
change is upon us and the fight is on for our survival and eventually we will turn this whole thing around oh one little positive thing i want to say we've got There's 10 seconds help. what's that we've just run out of time i'm really sorry to say we will have to save that for the next time that we catch up but we have run out of time for the hour we're going to take news headlines in a moment and uh, we'll be back with more but wakim hagopian thank you again for your time and your effort and your work that you put in for this movement to protect the human species against those that are out to get us all we're going to take that break here on weekends with jason Melbourne and be back with more you're listening and watching to tnt radio